0: Hello, and welcome to the Emma's for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halberstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian, and I am so excited to be back with you friends after an extended vacation slash trip. I mean, is it really a vacation if you have 10 children with you? I say no. I say it's a trip with children, which is also a very good thing, and we had a very good time, and you better believe that I will be bringing a trip podcast recap to you as soon as I can. But the break has not been as long as our trip was because I did record some podcasts for you guys to have while I was gone. Uh, so we've just had a two-week break and we will be jumping right back into the swing of things with our birth story series. I've done three installments so far so if you've missed any of those check back in the archives and the backlog of podcasts that I have for you on those and catch up. We have actually in the three episodes that we've done on birth stories so far, gotten up to our baby number six, who was Theo. So we have had four, let's see if I get this right, four singleton births and one twin birth. And three of those have gone to almost 42 weeks or right at 42 weeks. So I've established my pattern of going Long, And I think that, as I've mentioned before, some of that has to do with in the past, not so much anymore. But in the past, my having had a longer cycle than kind of the quote unquote normal 28 day cycle, of course, normal is just a baseline and everybody's going to be a little bit different. So in the past, I would say I've had more like 34, 35, 36. And lately in the last several years, it has actually bumped down to more like 31, 32. So were I to have any more babies, I would be very interested to know whether I would go quite as long. But we'll just have to see what the Lord has for us. So for honor, I think I had really fully come into this concept. He's my number seven, that I was not going to have a 39-week baby. I was not going to have even a 40-week baby. I was probably going to go two weeks past my quote-unquote due date. And I told you with Theo that I had embraced this concept, at least to some extent, and was using it as an opportunity to just kind of get in all the fun things that you can't do as easily when you have a newborn that's waking up at all hours of the night and need you pretty much all day as well. So Honor did indeed go to 42 weeks on the dot. I don't know if I was manifesting that for myself, but really I wasn't thinking I will go to 42 weeks. There was always this kind of niggling possibility in my mind that, Hey, who knows? I could go a little bit earlier, but sure enough, he just kept not showing up, kept not showing up. But we had a bit of a scare, not really a scare, but I started having some pretty intense prodromal contractions, I think mostly due to dehydration at the time, what at, right at 36 weeks. And I'll tell you this, when you've gone to 42 weeks multiple times and you tend to go long and you know, even your midwife with your that's that's so seasoned has delivered all of these twins, all of these singletons for like 30 years, is kind of like, Abby, get these babies out of you. And you have a 39-week, four-day appointment with your mono-dye twins. When you're that girl that keeps babies in and cooks them long, and you all of a sudden start having contractions that are intensifying very quickly and that are getting closer together. And it's only 36 weeks. Your brain kind of freaks out. You're like, wait, wait, I thought I had, two more weeks, four more weeks, six more weeks even. And that's kind of where I was mentally. And I remember that I was lying down in my mom's bed. We were actually at her house when it ramped up, lying down in my mom's bed, drinking um, red raspberry leaf tea, drinking lots of water, watching a Jane Austen movie, I think. And just my mom was coming in like I was 12 years old and I had a fever and she was checking on me, you know, like from times of old. She's such a good... Um, attentive mama growing up and she continues to be that in a much more age appropriate way now that I'm an adult, but it was like reverting back to my childhood. She was coming in and like giving me cold washcloths for my forehead and checking on me and praying with me and bringing me snacks and I'm watching this movie. But the whole goal was to calm these contractions down if they weren't real so that I wasn't going to, you know, end up going into preterm labor and potentially having complications, not be able to have a home birth, all of that. So we calmed those contractions down. It took about two hours and they just completely petered out. And then I continued to have this pattern that I've had several other times before on baby number seven of on and off contractions that would increase in intensity and then just peter out. Usually at bedtime, I would go to sleep and then I wouldn't feel them anymore. So I started having contractions just like that when I was about 40 one weeks and maybe five days, something like that. And I was pretty good at ignoring them. I think I remember I was contracting every five minutes or so. And like the type of contractions where it's not horrible, but you're having to stop and and just take a, a breather, you know? And I remember I took my youngest five kids at the time, two or maybe it was the youngest four because I think that Simon and Ezra were with Sean doing something and I took them to go thrift shopping and I took them to Dairy Queen. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that so specifically but this was on a Saturday and so I remember thinking if anyone knew that this lady who has this giant 42-week pregnant belly and has all these little stair up children with her was sort of kind of in labor, possibly, maybe. They'd probably freak out, but it was just another normal day for me of late pregnancy. Um, so we went home, having the contraction still, having the contraction still, having like they're just not petering out at night like I... I'm used to they're doing and so Sean starts timing them and of course I you guys know from Theo's birth that I am very reactive both mentally and I think physically if I get in water my contractions stop if somebody starts timing them they'd like just stall out it's very much so like my body and my mind are like don't tell me what to do I'm gonna have this baby when I want to have this baby <laughs> so I started timing them and they they immediately started spreading out to more like 10 minutes and so I'm like forget this I'm going to bed I don't care I will ignore these I will get some sleep And I did, slept all night, I woke up at about 5am and I sat up and I felt this sensation of peeing on myself. And my brain immediately said, oh dear, did my water just break? Now, if you listened to Della's birth story, Then you know that my water like broke the teeny tiniest bit. Like I had a little tear, I think, and a little bit of amniotic fluid dribbled out. And it ended up being the reason why my midwife and her assistant stayed at my house for like 30 hours as my body refused to get this baby out. So we kind of held them hostage and had a slumber party slash camp out at our our house during the weekend. And so I never had my water fully break before the baby was crowning before though. And so I felt a little anxious about this because I've always heard the stories about how much more painful labor is if your water has already broken. So I I had this brief moment of, oh, Lord, please no. And then you're in denial because it was just this little kind of gush. And surely I just peed on myself, right? I'm 42 weeks pregnant. This is going to happen. It's bound to, right? So I get up and I go to the bathroom and it becomes very evident that I am indeed experiencing my water breaking. <sighs> so, but I don't have any contractions at this point. I've done all of the patroma labor, the build-up contractions that have just stopped and I've got nothing right now. So, I remember I washed my hair, blow-dried my hair and straightened my hair just to give myself something to do. I don't straighten my hair often and it was just like, well, might be having a baby today. I you know, let's see if these contractions get going if I just do something kind of mindless and soothing. So after I finished with my hair, I go wake Sean up. It's maybe 6:15 in the morning at this point. I tell him my water broke and he sits up really fast and looks at me like, "What? That's not normal. Are you about to have a baby?" And I'm like, "No, I'm I'm not contracting at all." So we have some breakfast, we get the kids going, and he says, "Should we take the kids to your moms just in case this kicks in?" I mean, it's got to kick in at some point, right? Your water's broken. I call my midwife. I let her know that I'm pretty sure my water's broken, you know, they can do tests to make sure that that it's true, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And she's like, okay, keep me posted. If you're not having any contractions now, they'll probably get going in the next couple of hours. So we kind of have a slow morning, but with the idea of gathering up what we need to take the kids to my mom's and get headed that direction. So we take them over there. She's about a 30 minute car ride away. And I'm having random contractions. So a stab of this, a little petered out thing there, a little tightening here. And I'm starting to get a little frustrated because it's been at this point, I think we got there around lunchtime. So it's been seven hours since my water broke, seven hours since I woke up, and really nothing is happening. And I know that I don't do well as far as advancing in labor when my brain and body are stressed out. I've already established that twice with Della and with the twins that if I start doubting that the labor is really happening or if I start having these kind of adrenal surges and the shakes that come with them, I'm going to struggle to progress in labor because my body just stalls out even when I try to calm it down. So both of those times reading scripture and just being really still and like relaxing my toenails, (laughs) my hair, like just relaxing every part of my body was really helpful. So I'm like trying to stay really calm and chill about it, but I don't feel calm or chill because we've introduced now this concept that my water is broken and I am on a deadline. My midwife is pretty supportive of letting my body do its thing, but she is actually also a... nurse and so she's aware of like hospital guidelines and the fact that they're going to be upset if we show up past kind of their deadlines if something doesn't kick in so she's kind of trying to weigh all the factors of getting this baby out how he needs to come out naturally versus if there ends up needing to be intervention so she just says she's going to come check me that evening So we end up doing, after we drop the kids off at my mom's, what apparently we always do when we're in labor and we go to Lowe's and we're looking for, I don't even know what. But what I started to notice was not that the contractions were getting more regular or that they were getting that much closer together, but that they were getting much more intense when they did show up. So I remember walking by this sales rack and a contraction kind of just jumping on me out of nowhere and my grabbing the bar of the sales rack and hanging on while this knife-like contraction just ripped through me. And Sean was looking at me like, where did that come from? Because that looks like the kind of contraction you have when you're in like active transition labor and you were just walking around fine two minutes ago. And that fear again of what this was going to be like with my water broken started to well up in me because I could tell that the pressure I was feeling from that strong contraction was different. It was creating a very sharp sensation, like a knifing sensation against my pubic bone instead of what usually just felt like pressure. So try not to think about it too much. We go home. I take a nap, try to ignore the contractions. They don't stop, but they're not doing much. And the day kind of continues in this fog of nothingness, like just not much progress. Can't focus on much of anything. uh, Can't be very productive because I keep my mind keeps going back to what if, what if, what if. So I, I fold some socks. I you know watch a show with Sean. I do some dishes, but there's not much going on. My midwife comes over and she checks me, and I my water is broken, and she suggests she is again a nurse as well as a midwife. Tends toward the natural side, but is aware of some, you know, medical interventions that might need to take place if we go past a certain point. And so I think I'm at the, I'll have to think about this, but I think this is probably about eight o'clock at night or somewhere in that range or nine o'clock at night. So somewhere in the 15 to 16 hour range after my water first broke. And I think if I remember correctly, Melina had said, let's revisit this around 18 hours. Like that's kind of when we want to talk about our options. Well, she was already out of my house and she said, I am, you don't have to do this, but I'm recommending one round at least of antibiotics because I had not gotten a group B strep test before this. So since we didn't know whether I was group B strep positive or negative, she was recommending a round of antibiotics and she had to go back into town 30 minutes away to get this from her office. And Sean and I said, okay, we'll go with your recommendation. We're okay with that. Um, and, and there will be people that are like, Abby, you shouldn't have done that. And there'll be people like, Abby, you should have had a group B test. You know, I, I get it. There are opinions on all sides. There are pros and cons on all sides. But this is where we were. And so she went back into town and she told us, she said, do all the things you know you were supposed to do to get labor going. And so if you are an experienced birthing mama, you will know what those things are. And normally I would be very frank with you about what they are, but my 17 year old son edits this podcast and they may make him squeamish. So we're just going to tiptoe around the specific things and say that we understood the assignment and that one of the things did in fact work and gave me a six minute contraction, y'all. Never in my life have I ever experienced anything like this. It wasn't the most painful contraction that I've ever experienced, but it was so tight and just unrelenting. And I was literally doubled over because I couldn't stand up because my abdomen was contracting so tightly. And Sean was timing, and he kept looking down at his phone and looking up at me like, now? And I'm like, no, no, it still hasn't released. This is so strange. This is the most bizarre feeling. So six whole minutes of doubled over Wondering if perhaps this is the contraction of a lifetime that I'm never going to be released from and the baby's just going to fall out after What four hours of this? I don't know It's you don't get very logical when you're in pain and it's been a long time and your water's broken and all the things so I start contracting every two minutes. I've been doing every 12 every 20 every 8 every 10 like just completely all over the place and I have this six-minute contraction and it just kicks in and it starts going. Well, that's exciting and everything, but when you've been hiccuping along and the contractions that you have had have been more intense than usual, it's a little intimidating when all of a sudden it goes from 10 to two, your midwife is an hour away, you're not sure how this is gonna go because it feels different than all the rest of your labors which have usually had five to seven hours of active intense labor before you have the baby, even with all the lead up. Pretty much no matter how much lead up I have, no matter how many practice contractions or real contractions that aren't quite strong enough to get me there, it's five to seven hours of the really strong intense stuff. Well, this feels like it's going to be a real struggle to do for five to seven hours because it's that knifing bone on bone feel again. It's happening every two minutes. They're lasting 60 to 90 seconds. And I'm like, this is like getting toward the end type of contractions. And all of a sudden we are just going So those of you that have had precipitous labors, those of you who have had what I lovingly term freight train labors are probably like, yeah, Abby, this is how it goes. But as someone who contracts forever, 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 gets really tired out and then does the intense stuff in five to seven hours, this was like, this was new. So my midwife comes back. I'm standing and swaying and matching socks and then grabbing things to hold on to each contraction that comes. And she is staring at me and Sean like, what? did you do because she was not doing this when I left an hour ago. So she gives me the round of antibiotics and she's usually very, very good with a needle, but she blows out one of my veins and I am like pumping blood all over the the rug. And she's like, I am so sorry. That was so bad. Again, this has never happened before. And she's like, "I, I don't know what I did. So I'm contracting through this and it just keeps getting more and more intense. And you know how, you know how labors go. If you've, if you've been through a natural labor, especially you start timing things by contractions and the hours just kind of melt by, they just, they just go in a blur. So pretty soon, even though it's every two minutes and I'm hanging on and my knees are starting to buckle with the strength of these contractions, I realize it's already been an hour. And that's a lot of contractions in one hour. And I'm tired already. And so I tell Sean, I think I could keep these going even in water. I I think I need to get in some water. This is getting really hard. And I'm assuming that I have a long time to go because this has just never happened this quickly. So he goes upstairs and he starts heating up water in our jacuzzi tub, which is a bigger than usual tub, but it's not a birthing tub. And fills it up with water. And I am struggling to even get in and I get in that water and I proceed to be in the water. I think ultimately I was in there for almost two hours or right at two hours, but I am having the most intense labor of my life. Usually when I'm having contractions, I can stop and talk through what's going on, even have a conversation, laugh a little bit in between and just wait for the next one to come and then and then really kind of go into that headspace where you're really focused. Now that's not to say that I'm just having this wonderful lighthearted conversation, but I'm able to, you know, grit my teeth and and have a word or two or sometimes depending like with the twins' birth, it really wasn't a teeth gritting experience. It was just way milder than usual. So I can't do any of that. I can't speak in between contractions. It feels like they don't stop. There's basically, I mean, just, I I remember having enough time to say, Lord, I can't do another one of these. You're going to have to do this next contraction for me because it's too much. This is too much pain for me. And I didn't even feel like a wimp or like, you know, not that I should have felt like a wimp, but here I am on my seventh baby and it should be, you know, oh, I got this. I didn't feel like I got this. I felt like I needed the Lord for every breath and every contraction, which is gonna be true for every breath of our lives, right? But it was just so evident that I needed help. And so Sean was trying to help me because I was trying to submerge myself in the water as much as possible. So I kept sinking down because I was trying to get as much of my belly covered as possible because there wasn't enough hot water. And so it wasn't high enough. And so it wasn't providing kind of that lifting sensation that the water is supposed to provide to take the pressure off of your belly. Well, what I didn't realize was that even with the lifting sensation, it wasn't going to make a huge difference because I was having really bad back labor. At the time, I couldn't have told you that because I couldn't have told you anything, but also because I really couldn't identify where all the pain was coming from. Now I realize my back felt like it was about to split. And yes, I could feel it in the front, but I was feeling it in the back way more. And so I'm trying to lower myself as deep into the water as I can. And Sean thinks I'm trying to drown myself. So I remember his reaching down and kind of trying to lift me up because barely my nose is above the water. My mouth is underneath. My shoulders are underneath. As much of my belly as can get underneath is underneath. And he's trying to haul me out and help me, and I just remember—if you're watching the video, you can see me. You know, I'm just, I'm just kind of vaguely waving my arms at him, like swiping at his face, trying to make him leave me alone because I don't have words. I don't. I, I think I probably said something, but I am so just laser beam focused on surviving this labor, and trying to ward off kind of fear at how much this hurts and thinking maybe I can't do this. Maybe, maybe this is the one where I fail. Now, what what does that even mean? What does that even mean that you fail? You know what? That I end up at a hospital. That's not failure. The baby has to come out. Right? So huh, I am just hanging on. And then before I can even really, articulate what's going on I am bearing down without realizing it and there's a head coming out and so Sean calls down to Melina something like head we have a head well she comes charging up the stairs because she's been my midwife or my midwife's assistant at multiple births at this point and at no point have I just popped a baby out with no you know no prior notice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She's used to this taking forever and her having to encourage me and check me and get that last little bit out of the way. And, you know, and so she comes up there like, wait, what? And gets there just in time to catch the rest of him as he comes out. And I just remember this moment, that, that moment when you deliver your baby and they put him on your chest or you reach down and put him on your chest is such a transcendent, just joyful moment of relief every single time but after such an intense just kind of crucible like labor for those last two hours that moment when she put it on my chest and the relief everything just feels better immediately there's there's no pressure bearing on down on you there's no fire there's no panicky feeling of your back breaking there's no just pain, like pain you've never experienced before coming at you in waves that don't seem to stop. And so I remember holding him on my chest and just, just, you know, just thanking just he's here. He's here. He's here. I can't believe that he's here. And so in that moment, I was just so grateful for the Lord's provision, for the Lord's grace in allowing me to finish what felt too hard to finish for carrying me through those last, you know, however many contractions I had in that last hour when it just reached its peak of frenzied kind of anguish and just the joy, there's just the in- intense joy you experience of having worked so hard for this baby and then they're here. They're here and you just get to enjoy them. And I don't really remember much else about the delivery after that. I think the placenta came out just fine and you know, afterbirth pains weren't too bad or I was just I didn't care anymore. I had a baby in my arms. And it was the only time that I have been able, spoiler alert for any future birth stories that I've been able to deliver in a tub. And while I wouldn't have chosen the water breaking and the extra intensity of the labor and the speed of the labor to be the reason that I got to deliver in a tub. I was so grateful for that water. I do not know how I would have handled the pain of those contractions without the water to offset that pain. So yeah, that was baby number seven. He was a whole different ball game than any of my other labors. And I haven't had one like him since and I'll be honest, I hope I never have another one just like that. That was quite the testing. But I will tell you this, the Lord sustained me and he met me in my pleas for help and for um, for encouragement and for support and for him to carry that cross of pain for me and with me and he absolutely did. So I will be coming back next week. We'll be back on schedule and I'll be doing Shiloh's birth story. And then the last one that we'll have to wrap up will be the twin bees birth story. So we don't have too many more of these. And then we'll jump in probably to the trip recap that I talked about, but I hope you guys are enjoying this series. And I thank you guys for listening along and I can't wait to share more with you in the future. If you guys enjoyed today's program, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and share with others. And if you're looking for more daily content on motherhood and biblical responses to cultural issues, you can follow along on Instagram at m.is.or.mama.